Thank you for joining us for the Lafayette Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. Please join us each week as we listen to lessons given on Sunday mornings at the Lafayette Church of Christ. You may be seated. And good morning, church. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, I had asked Colby to, to lead that song. I've, I've always really liked that song. The, the words in the, uh, the stanzas are, are, are really beautiful, but also uh, the men only have to know eight words uh, to, to, to get through that song. So I always thought that was, that was kind of a good one uh, for, for me. Um, I'm late to the, to the party here, but happy Mother's Day again for the for fourth or fifth time to all of you. You deserve all of them. Um, I wrote my mother this week uh, that every year that passes, I feel like my, uh, my thanksgiving for the role she's played in my life grows, and I think it's probably supposed to be that way, um, but, but that's definitely been on my, on my mind this week, and so whether you're a, a mother or, a, or, or are celebrating your mother, happy, happy Mother's Day to you, and I also want to recognize um, that for many of you, this may be a difficult day, uh, and I don't need to, to go through every scenario, uh, in which case that, that may be true. Uh, but, if, but if that is the case for you in this, this day, is, is difficult for any number of reasons. Know that you've been prayed for uh, this, this morning as well. Well, we are uh, ki- kind of entering, uh, if you want to throw the next slide up there, we're kind of entering the, the home stretch of this series out of uh, Philippians. We are uh, indeed to the, the fourth and final chapter, but uh, this is a, a pretty, pretty amazing and, and a very applicable chapter in scripture, and it's somewhat all over the place as, as Paul applies some of the teachings he's been working through to, to different areas of their life and as he works through different topics. So as you should be able uh, to, to see up there, we're, we're entering the final stage, but we still have a, a few more weeks in Philippians because we're going to go pretty, pretty slow here through this, this final chapter. Uh, having said that, uh, the messages uh, should, should be very applicable, and, and they might even be a little bit shorter. Uh, because the, the passages are, are pretty short, and I also owe, owe, owe all of you a few minutes back uh, in, in this series. And so uh, you can kind of see where we'll be heading. Some of you, your favorite verses uh, in the Bible are, are right here in this chapter, and, and uh, you can probably look at those titles and, and see some of the stuff that we're going to be working through. So let's get going this morning on, on uh, out of these five, what is the most unique passage, I think. And uh, this is Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. That Nathan read for us. And this is how the NIV reads. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Now that translation is is totally fine. uh, And you can probably already notice just how many distinct descriptions Paul uses to refer to, to his Philippian brothers and sisters they're not even really descriptions. They're, they're really almost uh, like terms of endearment. And there's a, there's a total of, of six of them. Uh, a total of six of them. So I've also included up on there the, the KJV, which in this instance is the Kyle Johnson version, not the King James version. Uh, and this is a, a very literal translation. Uh, so this, this is very literally what the passage would say, but I think it draws out those, those terms of endearments, uh, the terms of endearment even, even more. So the KJV reads, I know that's obnoxious, uh, therefore, <laughs> therefore, my beloved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, 
Stand firm in the Lord in this way, beloved. So again, six distinct terms of endearment that Paul uses to describe these believers that he's been writing to now for a few chapters. And, and from what I could come across and what I was seeing some others saying, there's really nothing like this anywhere else in any of Paul's letters. He, he at no point in any one verse, pours out this much emotion uh, to, to a group of believers. So he calls them beloved twice at the beginning and the end. You say, okay, you're repeating yourself, Paul. Well, I think he's repeating himself for a purpose, right? At the beginning and the end, he calls them beloved. He, he calls them longed for. Uh, it's another adjective there. He uses this family language of, of brothers or brothers and sisters. He calls them his, his joy. You know, he's been using that word loosely in a lot of different ways, but this time he, he calls the Philippian church themselves his, his joy, and then he calls them his crown. So we have six distinct terms of endearment for this, this one group of, of believers. And what I take from that is he obviously loves this group of people quite a bit that, that ha- he's, he's been writing to and he's been teaching and giving these different commands to. And, and we see that in this, this, I would say, emotionally charged language that, that he uses towards them. But what does he want this, this group of folks who he loves so much to do? Well, he gives the whole group one command here in, in verse 1. He says, I want you to stand firm in the Lord. I think that's kind of a, a catch-all command. Stand firm, firm in the Lord. It's a catch-all command about their ongoing faithfulness, their ongoing obedience, their ongoing discipleship or sanctification. Stand firm in the Lord. You're already in the Lord. Just stay there. Stand firm in the Lord. And I, if we were to develop that a little bit more, again, I think it's a, it's a catch-all command, but what is Paul implying? What does he want them to do in order to stand firm in the Lord? I could imagine Paul saying, well, read everything I just wrote in the first three chapters and read everything I'm about to write in the rest of this chapter. Everything we've come across in Philippians, all these ways that they're to interact with one another and all the ways that they're to support the, the cause of the gospel, all of those are, are fruits of, of what it looks like to, to, to stand firm in the Lord. So he uses this really emotional language and, and, and he gives the whole church this command. And then he's going to apply that, I think, a little bit further. And that's what we see uh, in verse 2, which is actually going to be kind of the, the meat of our passage this morning. None of you would necessarily expect that, but this is where we're going to spend our time. So in verse 2, Paul transitions from addressing the whole church, giving the whole church that command to addressing only two individuals within the church. And he writes this in verse 2. He says, and Nathan did a nice job with the pronunciation. He says, I, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And working through the, the background or the, the context or the, the story behind this letter, we've obviously come across the Apostle Paul a, a lot because he's, the author, and he's talking about himself a lot throughout this. So, so we know Paul, and we've also come across Timothy and Epaphroditus a couple of times, and we've talked about the opponents. So we've come across all these, all these different characters uh, in, in this letter, and, and some that are familiar to us from other letters. This is the, the first and only time in this letter that we come across the names of, of two particular women, Euodia and, and Syntyche. And after Paul gives his general command to the whole church, in verse 1, that he wants them to stand firm in the Lord, he then turns his attention and he addresses two women in particular, and he gives them a much more specific command. He says, I want you to be 
of the same mind in the Lord. And if you've never heard, I don't like hand raising, but let's just do it. Who's never heard of Euodia and Syntyche? Okay. You guys heard this sermon before? I would be surprised. So my, my thinking is this is not the part of chapter 4 that we've spent uh, a whole lot of time with. I, I think what happens is that we often skim past these first couple of verses in, in chapter 4. We, we skim over this really amazing pastoral plea that, that Paul gives here at the beginning of the chapter uh, on our way to, to some of the truly amazing material in, in the rest of the chapter that, that we're also going to spend some time with. But many, many scholars that are, are, are commenting on, on the book of Philippians as a whole see this verse. They see this pastoral plea to Euodia and, and to Syntyche as a primary, if not the primary reason that Paul might have been writing this letter to the Philippian church in the first place. Because Paul is pleading with two individuals here to be of the same mind. And because he, he names them... He has very likely heard of, of some kind of conflict or, or some source of division that they're causing in the body that are, are tied to these, these two particular individuals. Um, in fact, as I said, the, the reason scholars kind of think this, this may be the uh, thing that's driving this whole letter is if you get to chapter 4, verse 2, you go, okay, Paul felt the need to address two people who were going through this conflict. And then you go back to everything else we've seen. You go back to chapter 1, you go back to chapter 2, you go back to chapter 3, Paul has been laying the groundwork for him to be able to address this very type of situation. And so people kind of read backwards and say, okay, all of this talk about humility, all this talk about joy, all this talk about focusing on the work of the Gospel, all this talk about serving, not looking to your own interests, sacrificing for the sake of others, Maybe all of that, I mean, there's some other purposes as well, right? But maybe all of that was Paul laying the, the groundwork for him to be able to get to chapter 4, verse 2, and make this plea to these two women, and they go, oh, maybe, maybe we have to pay attention to, to everything that Paul had just taught us uh, in, in the prior chapter. So we're going to come back to that idea a little bit. And I know that's reading in between the lines. You can't, you, you can't ever trust anybody that says, this is why Paul wrote this letter but again, the theory is this would be a, at least a primary reason that Paul might have written this, this favorite letter of, of many of us. So let's go ahead and tack on verse 3 because we pick up a, a little bit more information there. And Paul says, Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. And then Paul goes off on, on to another topic. And so here in verse 3, he, he addresses the whole church in verse 1. He addresses the two women in verse 2. And then here in verse 3, it goes to the singular, and he addresses his true companion. And he wants his true companion to help uh, these two women be of the same mind in the Lord, the, these two women that are experiencing this conflict. Well, the thing is, is that nobody has any clue who this true companion is. <laughs> and if you're a Bible nerd, we're not going to do it this morning because it gets way in the weeds, but if you're a Bible nerd, ref just researching that line and the history of interpretation there is really interesting. And there's all kinds of different options, and I think nobody has any clue what they're talking about. Um, so he addresses, the main thing is he addresses the church, he addresses the two women, and then he addresses this true companion. I think maybe he's kind of addressing everybody in the church again in a different way, and he's saying, hey... Uh, Mike, 
you help these women out. And hey, Diane, you help these women out. He's, he's kind of encouraging all, the whole church maybe in a, in a side way uh, to, to lift up these two women and to help them get along and, and be of the same mind. So again, that's, that's a little bit beside the point, but that, that's something you can get into. The main point that we really see in verse 3 is that these two women have contended at Paul's side in the cause of the gospel. They've been his co-workers. And that's really strong language that Paul doesn't employ very often to talk about, to talk about other people. And it helps us see the value that these two individuals probably had not only to the church in Philippi, but the value that they added to, to Paul's entire mission. And, and so, we need to be clear, Paul's not condemning two wayward sisters who have like fallen away from the church and are, are no longer believers. Paul is not grouping these two women in with all the different groups of opponents that, that he addresses at different points. I think Paul seems to, to view these two sisters as being valuable members of this Philippian community who are otherwise in good standing with the church. They, they're valued sisters in Christ. They have something to offer the church. They have something to offer Paul. And yet they're experiencing this significant issue or, or division, probably maybe just between the two of them, but that it's, it's affecting the whole body. And, and so how public it is or not, we don't know. But what I find interesting is that if it wasn't public up to this point, it's it's about to be public because we need to think for a moment about what a New Testament letter is and how this, this would have gone down. They're probably going to end up working through this issue in a fairly public way because Epaphroditus, is, uh, who we've talked about, is probably reading this verse in front of the entire church. Okay, So Paul is saying out loud to the whole church through his messenger Epaphroditus, he's saying, hey... Yodia and Syntyche, you two need to get along. You are, are too valuable to me, and you're too valuable to that church family to be, to be acting like this. And so again, he's, he's pleading, in, in I think a public way, with these two individuals experiencing some kind of uh, conflict or division to be of the same mind in the Lord. And the next thing I want to say is that the in the Lord part of that command, I think, is, is really important. He doesn't just say, Get along, ignore your differences. He says, be of the same mind in the Lord. They're not going to be of the same mind. They're not going to find unity by just ignoring their differences or by just downplaying this conflict, whatever it is, or by just pretending everything is okay. But Paul seems to think that they can be of the same mind in the Lord. There's unity for these two sisters to be found in the fact that they are both in the Lord. This isn't just two random strangers having a fight. These two sisters are in the Lord. They've been co-workers with Paul. They've contended at his side, probably by one another's side, for the advancement of the gospel. So Paul's saying, your unity in the Lord, your unity in the shared mission you have in furthering the gospel should be bigger than whatever the, the conflict it is that, that you are experiencing. And so as we, as we move from thinking about these two first century women in the church at Philippi, uh, Philippi to, to thinking uh, a little bit about us, I think we should also strive to, to be of the same mind, to, to have unity and all those things. But, but again, I would say I think that can only happen as we recognize that we are all also in the Lord. That that in the Lord addition to that phrase is of utmost importance. We don't remain of the same mind by just 
ignoring our differences and hoping they, they get better, by downplaying any conflicts, by just pretending that everything is okay all the time with everybody in church. But we can be of the same mind in the Lord if we're committed to, to recognizing that reality. The unity we have in Christ and the unity we have in our shared mission, just like it was for them, should be big enough that we can, we can maintain our, our unity. So again, I, I would say that I think Paul has been planting the seeds for this verse for three chapters. I think he knows he was going to include that, and I think he's developing some teachings along the way that are going to make these two sisters and, and maybe the whole church come across this line that I'm imagining was pretty awkward in the moment, and they're going to go, oh, you know, maybe we need to go back and pay attention to everything else Paul had written to us. Maybe, we, maybe he wrote those things in the letter for a reason. And so they, they might be asking themselves, okay, well, how do we go about being of the same mind? Well, I think Paul would say, re- reread my letter. Just, just go back and read it, and then do all of those things I, I, I told you. So they need to remember Paul's call back in chapter 2 to adopt the mindset of Jesus Christ. They need to remember that their lives are to be defined by humility, which we'll come back to at the end. They need to remember, remember the examples of, of service and sacrifice that, that Timothy and Epaphroditus had set before them. We spent a whole sermon saying that Paul was lifting up people in his community who were behaving the right way. And I think Paul might have, again, been preparing these two women to go, okay, am I, am I going to be a, a Timothy and Epaphroditus or, or am I going to be like this? They need to remember that they are called to behave as, as citizens worthy of the gospel of, of Christ, that their citizenship is heavenly, which means that their mind is not set on earthly things like whatever this conflict is be, between sister and sister. So I want you to imagine being Euodia or Syntyche. Personally, I'm more of a Euodia fan. Um, both good names, but I'll be team Euodia, so I'm imagining, as we imagine, I'm imagining a Syntyche out there, but you can do whichever one. Uh, your, your, friend at, your friend at church, Epaphroditus, who, who you've known for a while, your friend at church, Epaphroditus, he goes off on this mission trip to the Apostle Paul. He comes back from his mission trip to the Apostle Paul for some period of time. He comes back with this letter from, from Paul. Paul's the one that planted this church in the first place some, some years ago. And Epaphroditus gets up one Sunday morning in order to read this letter from the Apostle Paul in front of the, the whole assembly and you're hearing these things in this letter, all the things we love about this letter, about joy. Oh, man, he's used joy 11 times by now. Paul, you know, I, I love this letter. Joy, 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 joy. All this stuff about humility and the work of the gospel. And then all of a sudden, chapter 4, verse 2 gets read. I plead with Euodia. Uh-oh. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. To me, that's like a... A, a busted moment. <laughs> like, oh no, he went there. He, he's heard about that. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering if, if you can imagine that. I, I know it's difficult, but I want you to imagine that. And then I want you to take your imagination one step further. Imagine with me, not that we're just members of the Church of Philippi in the first century receiving this letter, but imagine that somehow, we'd have to be really old, but imagine that the Apostle Paul wrote a comparable letter uh, to the church here in the 21st century uh, here at Lafayette. And we've, we've even imagined this a little bit back in week one when we, we prayed the prayer he gives for the Philippians. We, we prayed that over our, 
our church family. So imagine that Paul somehow is, is writing us a similar kind of letter. And he's written this amazing letter that someone's reading in front of the congregation for three chapters. And, and you're nodding your head and you're amening and you like everything he has to say and you're feeling encouraged. And then all of a sudden, toward the end, page four, the person reading the, the letter from the Apostle Paul writes, I plead with Kyle Johnson and I plead with uh, Caleb Martz uh, to be of the same mind. Because I hear that Kyle is going around whispering that he sings a better tenor uh, than, than <laughs> Caleb Martz, right? It's a, it's a dumb example. It's only going to be dumb for a moment. It's a dumb example. But imagine that Paul writes that type of letter to this church family and then he addresses you. You are the Euodia. You are the Syntyche. And he addresses one of your behaviors. Okay, church? And he addresses one of your conflicts. He addresses one of your relationships within the body. He addresses one of your mindsets. And my question for you this morning for reflection is, what did Paul just write? Maybe I should just sit down. I wrote a few extra things, but... What did Paul just write in in that scenario? What's the behavior or the conflict that he addresses? Who is the person that he's pleading with you to be of the same mind? If nothing comes to mind, if if no one comes to mind, I probably just didn't do a good job preparing that (laughs) that sermon illustration, which is is always a, a possibility. But if someone or something does come to mind, if your mind immediately goes to a relationship, where it immediately goes to a conflict or a piece of baggage or a harsh word or an unhealthy pattern of behavior or speech, then maybe this morning I would suggest that the Lord could be revealing to you through the Holy Spirit what your application of this random verse tucked away in the book of Philippians needs to be. Maybe the Lord is revealing to you, whether you're Euodia or Syntyche, Maybe the Lord is revealing to you who is your Euodia or Syntyche. Maybe the Lord is calling you to repentance. Maybe the Lord is calling you to reconciliation or some kind of concrete change in your behavior or your ways of thinking. The reality is that even a church as healthy as the church in Philippi apparently is going to have its Euodia and Syntyche hiccups along the way. Paul's pastoral concern was not necessarily that they were having this conflict. His, his pastoral concern seems to be over how they were going to respond. Are they going to be able to stand firm in the Lord as a church? Verse 1, are these two sisters going to be able to, to, to remain of the same mind? Verse 2, how they responded, and I think how we likewise respond, makes all the difference. And then the last thing here is, Ultimately, we could say a lot about standing firm in the Lord, being of the same mind, all of these other teachings. But ultimately, I think we can remain of the same mind in the Lord, what he wants these two sisters to do, if we are all committed to sharing the same mindset of the Lord. And what is our Lord's mindset? Well, I have not had the privilege yet to get to read the Christ hymn uh, in chapter 2 yet in the series. Mike's read it. Uh, Michael Rhodes has recited for it. It's one of my favorite passages And I wanted to find a way to read it uh, in this series because I I think it's important. And I think these two sisters would have read or heard chapter two, verse chapter four, verse two. And they would have said, oh, my goodness, that Christ him. That might have been about us. He might have been speaking to me. 
And so as I think about them and where their minds would have gone, and as I think about us, I think call, Paul calling any, any two believers, any ten believers, whatever, to be of the same mind in the Lord. He's calling them to share the same mindset of the Lord that we read about in that Christ hymn. So what I want you to do, change my mind here a little bit, but I want you to stand up as we conclude, because we're going to read this Christ hymn. We like to stand for, for the scripture reading. I want you to stand up as, as we read Paul's call back in chapter 2 that I think these two sisters would have been thinking about. And then uh, now that you're standing, I want you to at least turn this much towards the center of the room. Okay? I, I want you to be reminded that there are other human beings in this room. Okay? And that your application is not up here. Your application is, yeah, no, you don't have to do a full, these, these two sections have to fully you know, face each other. But you are being reminded right now that there are other human beings that exist in this congregation, other brothers in Christ, other sisters in Christ. And we're going to have Euodia and Syntyche sort of moments. And I think Paul's uh, plea for us would be the plea he gave to a a different congregation 2,000 years ago. This is chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Make sure you're looking at each other. Uh, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the mindset of Christ. And whether we're Philippians in the first century, and it's not easy to add I-A-N-S to Lafayette, so I don't know. Whether we're Lafayetteans in the, in the 21st century, God is calling us to be of the same mind, and I think the ultimate solution is all of these things that Paul teaches in in the book of Philippians. But I think that Christ in there in chapter 2 is exactly where their mind should have gone, and I think that's exactly where our mind should go as well. And may God give us grace uh, and wisdom as as we seek to do that. Uh, Greg and Don are going to head back to the prayer room. I think we'll uh, we'll remain standing, and we're going to sing a couple more songs.